What's up, what's up, what's up, Snap Survivors? I am Tasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, a virtual refugee camp for everyone affected by Thanos Snap. How's everybody doing this week? Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming back and joining me for the 20th episode of After the Snap. And if this is your first time, welcome. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the family. Today, I got a big episode for you. We're going to be talking about Aquaman. We also uh, retroactively talk a little bit about Bumblebee. I did a kind of mini review on Bumblebee a couple of weeks ago. I think it may have been a week and a half or so ago. I'm just going to talk a little bit more about Bumblebee. But the most of this episode will definitely be uh, Aquaman talk. Uh, And I'm pretty sure that most of you have seen it. But for those who haven't, there will be a small amount of spoilers in today's episode. So if you might want to check the show notes and I'll try to mark where I have spoilers, I will try not to drop anything big. My plan is to not let any cats out of the bag as it pertains to Aquaman. Um, So let's get the business out of the way. Have you subscribed yet? If not, what are we waiting for? And if you're new to the show, subscribe. For those who are not new, you come here every week. You obviously like the content. So go ahead and hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast app. Um, Also, if you'd like to catch up with me, uh, we're on Facebook at After the Snap. We also have a group called The Snap Survivors where it all goes down. On Twitter, I'm at SnapAfter. On Instagram, it's after the snap 2018. And if you just like to send me an old-fashioned email, that's after the snap at gmail.com. You know, send me your questions, comments, concerns, uh, show ideas, anything that you'd like to talk about, go ahead and send it to me. Make this an interactive show where I am including you as part of the uh, finished product. We also have just gotten a uh, voicemail so that you can leave voicemails if you'd like. And that phone number for that is 832-426-3835. 832-426-3835. So I'll be waiting for your voicemails as well. And those also may be included on future episodes. Um, if you'd like to financially assist after the snap, you know, uh, send me to the movies a few times or uh, assist with curtailing the production cost or helping to upgrade the equipment. There's a way to do that. You can go to patreon.com slash after the snap where you will be able to join one of the tiers. The tiers start at one dollar a month. And they go all the way up to $20 a month. Um, if you're able, if you are uh, in a position to be able to assist and contribute to the show, I'm eternally grateful. Um, also, if you would just like a one-time donation and don't want to commit to a month-to-month donation, you can do that at paypal.me slash after the snap. So, business aside, all business aside, 
we're going to jump into our Aquaman review. So we talked about how this was a very big week for big blockbuster Christmas opening movies, right? And uh, so we have uh, Holmes and Watson was one, Bumblebee, Aquaman, Mary Poppins, and then the second week of Into the Spider-Verse. And the big winner this week, it should come as no surprise, it was Aquaman um, here in the U.S., um, Aquaman has already amassed $483 million globally. So now we're just trying to put a little bit of icing on top here in the U.S. Um, so far, as of this recording, we're at $67.4 million domestically. So uh, this is the kind of win that uh, DC me needed. Um, now, it is the smallest weekend for uh, opening weekend for DC films. But look at the competition it was up against. So the money had to be split three, at least three ways. And uh, the lion's share of that money went to Aquaman. So on their $160 million budget, they're already well over uh, $500 million dollars it is estimated that this movie will possibly hit a billion dollars which is exactly what dc needs right now um right now they are at 64 percent on rotten tomatoes and 55 on metacritic the critical response is kind of middle of the road the audience response is better the uh, audiences seem to love this movie of course and it is sitting at right around 86% uh, audience approval on Rotten Tomatoes. So they're, they're sitting in a very sweet spot. The movie is fun. When you think of uh, Batman versus Superman, it was like, you know, everybody was thinking, well, why so serious? And then with Justice League, it was like, why so serious? Well, this movie doesn't want to be taken serious. It, it wants to be fun. It is, uh, like I said, visually just a masterpiece. It cannot get uh, any better at uh, world building. They, they, I appreciate how James Wan's vision of uh, what these seven underwater kingdoms would look like and how he brought them to life. And each underwater kingdom has its own distinct look. And, you know, it seems like a whole different feel when you enter each one of those kingdoms. So kudos to uh, James Wan for that. And again, I say audiences loved it. Uh, there were a lot of fun scenes in the movie. The action sequences are great. Um, the CGI. The CGI was was good, but it was so much of it. If, uh, if that makes any sense. So uh, that is one of the things that was kind of distracting for me. Some, at some points in the movie, you were overwhelmed by the amount of CGI. Okay, so I've given you factually. You, right now, you're, you're looking for my opinion. 
Now let's remember, I am but one person. So my opinion may possibly not be your opinion. And I guess you can tell by the way that I'm prefacing this that my opinion might not be popular. (laughs) And in fact, um, so the the audience approval was 86%. And I could fit in that 86%, but on the end of it that I liked the movie, I didn't love the movie. I, uh, I didn't hate the movie. I'm kind of like ambivalent. And I've got a few reasons why. And this is where we may start getting into spoiler territory. Again, I'm not going to drop any whoppers. I'm not going to tell the end of the story. I'm not going to frame by frame any sequence. But I could drop a spoiler. So be aware of that. Um... Some scenes, scenes in this movie are fine if you just don't think. And I cannot not think. <laughs> so um, some of the things that, that were problematic for me. And I, this is just me again. And remember, this is like, I was supposed to watch this movie twice. So this, the, the other day was, was, was supposed to have been my second time seeing the movie, which that's usually the time that I'm like critiquing and trying to figure out where I'm going to put this movie what box am I going to put it in what label am I going to put on it and even though a lot of people don't like boxes or labels that's me organizing my thoughts this this turned out to be my first time watching it instead of my second and Usually, like I say, I don't go in critiquing the first time. I'm just watching it for enjoyment. But because I was watching it and keeping in mind that I'm going to review it, I watched it with a more critical eye. And I want to know, how is Arthur as powerful as a full-blooded Atlantean, even though he is not full-blooded? In fact, He has a power that the other Atlanteans don't have. So I can understand, you know, some power skipping a generation or that sort of thing. But how is he as powerful as a full-blooded Atlantean when he's half human? And when you think about it, uh, in DC's universe, even Superboy is not as powerful as Superman. And he was created. He's a clone of Superman and Lex Luthor. So he's half human, half Kryptonian, and he does not have the same level of power that Superman has. So if if this precedent has kind of been set uh, that powers get diluted once you introduce the human half to it, I can't understand, I cannot understand how how Arthur is as powerful as a full-blooded Atlantean. And then, okay, there was a another part where how the fuck was Manta supposed to? What was he supposed to do with Atlantean money? Like, okay, he he got paid by the Atlanteans. Where is he gonna cash that money in? What what? This is a kingdom 
that the land dwellers believe is fictional. They believe it's a myth. So if I come to your place with some money from uh, the Bikini Bottom and everybody's like, a Bikini Bottom's a cartoon. What can we do with this money? And I'm like, it's real. So what was he... What was he what was he supposed to do with this money? And again, like I say, I think too much. I was supposed to be enjoying this movie. I've got more. And and there's some some that is very spoilery and I'm not even going to say, but um how can I be mad at Orm when he's right? So this puts us in a killmonger kind of uh kind of position where and also a Thanos kind of position when you really look at it is your methods might be fucked up but your ideology is correct you know if uh, if I come to your house and got to leave and trash all over the place and parking tanks all on your front lawn you'd be ready to fight me too so I can understand why Orm wants to uh, wants to get at us on the land because we do fuck up you know so <laughs> I can't be mad at him. Um, and I guess that's, that makes him a good villain because in a way, they tried to portray him as evil and mean and bad, but in a way, he's sympathetic. We destroying his home. We got, you know, we, we can't keep fucking up the, the oceans and lakes and rivers and expect the oceans and lakes and rivers to keep taking care of us. But that's a whole different rant, right? Okay, so this movie occurs after Justice League, yet not one of the other superheroes comes to poke their nose in Arthur's family business to see if he needs help. And when does that when when does that happen? What universe does that happen in? There always somebody always comes and is like, "What fuck?" You know, we got warships and shit. That this like the the sea is uh. It's waging war up against the land. That's got to be your folks. Arthur, what's the business? Do I need to come and help you? That's uh, at, at the absolute least you would have expected Batman because he knew exactly where to find him. Okay. And one thing that was really, really, really bothering me is how the fuck did they get out of the desert? So we saw them go to the desert, go to the under, was it the hidden kingdom or whatever it was called? And they did what they had to do there. And, uh, okay. They come back on to, how did they get to Sicily? How long did it take to get to Sicily? Like, these are questions that I need answered, you know? Um, we can't just pretend like this stuff didn't happen. So, again, these are my issues. Um, I may be overthinking things. Because like I said at the beginning, I believe that the, the, the key to really enjoying this movie is to shut your brain off at the door and just go in the door thinking, I'm coming in here and I'm going to enjoy this movie. If you go into the movie thinking, I'm going to go in here and review this movie, everything becomes far more critical and it, it becomes a whole lot less fun. Um, some of the dialogue uh, sounds like I'm saying this because they told me to say it 
not like they're trying to convince us that these things are really happening. It's like, that's what the script said to say, so I'm going to say it. And then when it's funny that we watched Thor, and then when you take Thor, for example, that scene that I played uh, a clip of, and if you didn't hear that one, you know, you can stop, listen to last week's episode, it's Thor's Day, and um, there was a, a scene in Thor, the original Thor, where Anthony Hopkins and Chris Hemsworth were improving. They were just going off script, off, you know, going off of each other, feeding off of each other's energy. And I don't get that. Not saying that they have to be who going to be Anthony Hopkins. There's nobody else going to be Anthony Hopkins. But I did want to see uh, a little more feeling, I guess, in some of the scenes. Uh, Arthur and Mira's relationship just came out of nowhere. So it's like uh, one minute they are bickering and fighting and then they start playing this they start playing this romantic comedy music and then all of a sudden you they're in love and I just don't think they earned that they didn't earn that relationship you know so um there's a twist that Stevie Wonder could have seen coming and I won't go any further than that just know that it was telegraphed Anybody who didn't see that coming really and truly turned their brain off at the door. I saw it coming from the minute I heard where this person was. And I'm going to leave it like that. We'll we'll come back to it in, in a week or two. And then um, do we do we now know Aquaman? Do we know Arthur? Uh, his personality? What makes him tick? And I think that we should have put more energy into rounding out that character than before they rounded out the kingdoms. So the kingdoms were well-rounded. We got a good visual effect of each kingdom being different, each personality of each leader being different. But we didn't learn a lot about Aquaman. In fact, I'm gonna drop a, uh, I'm gonna drop a clip in here. I think we learned more about Aquaman here together in perfect sync. Its power builds until it can't be contained. But if I can cause a delay between each box, even for a nanosecond, its energy will cascade, form a loop, and feed on each other. And that's it? We just pull them apart? No fuss, no muss? Separating the boxes is still going to cause a massive surge. I'll have to be there. But you guys should think about getting clear. We're with you till it's done. Honestly, I think we're all going to be dead waiting for that. You know what? Superman's a no-show. You've got no powers. No offense. This guy might be working for the enemy. We don't know. You're tripping over your feet and mine. Oof. You're gorgeous. Fierce and strong. Mm. I know we went to war with the Amazons, but that was before my time. And you know what? I don't want to die. I'm young. There's shit that I want to do. I just feel like I never really embraced the sea or the land. I've been alone my whole life. Being part of something like this maybe I'm scared because I'm meant to 
So this is the scene where uh, Aquaman sat on Wonder Woman's lasso. So he was compelled to tell the truth. What did we learn about him? That he is a realist, that he's rather pessimistic. Uh, what he really feels about Batman, he, you have no pro, no powers. Uh, Superman, he, he's a no-show. Uh, Cyborg, he feels like Cyborg is could be playing both sides, could be working for the enemy. Um, he feels like the Flash is clumsy. He's afraid to die, but it would be an honorable end. He neither accepted or felt accepted by the land or the sea. Yeah, he definitely is demonstrating that he has trust issues. Um, Again, he, he doesn't know where he fits with this group, but he wants to be part of something bigger, which means he le led a very lonely life. He's giving us all of that. I think we learned more about him here in that clip than we did in this movie. And if you'd like for me to go a little further in, the, in that, into that, send me an email, comments on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Get at me because I, I will be glad to explain what I mean by that. Um, and it's just one of the things that was just eating me alive is like the slow-mo over-the-shoulder glances that uh, Jason Momoa was giving us. So it was just too much for me. And the reason why it was too much is because they didn't just do it once. They did it several times. So yes, Jason Momoa is sexy. He is sexy, but I don't want you to force me to acknowledge his sexiness. Let's go back to Thor. There's a scene in Thor when Chris Hemsworth uh, was just getting to uh, Jane Foster's house and she gave him some clothes that belonged to her ex-boyfriend. So at this point, we've got a shirtless Chris Hemsworth. Those pants, I don't know if anybody else remembers, but they were hanging just low enough where you could just see the cut of his body and in that in that moment we acknowledged Chris Hemsworth's sexiness and I feel like uh, Jason Momoa's sexiness is kind of shoved down our throats like you are going to say this man is sexy before it's all over you can't help but think that so it's like a, a person who is very attractive but is still trying too hard and I know this wasn't Jason Momoa's doing. They are trying to capitalize in moments on his sexiness because we know sex sells. But at some point, enough is enough. Now, I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure there are a, a billion ladies out there that's like, no, we want more of sexy Jason Momoa. But I'm saying there's more to Jason Momoa than how he looks. What he brings to that character is more than just looks. So let me get past his looks and let his character develop instead of, you know, we just supposed to say, oh, yeah, he's sexy because, I mean, we know that he he is. <laughs> um, will I see this movie again? Possibly. I'm just to make sure I'm not being an asshole. I will possibly go see this movie again. 
Um, so, like I said at the top, didn't hate it. Definitely didn't love it. I will say on my one to five, I will give it three stars, which is a, a respectable six on a one to ten scale, which is also very much in line with what uh, we're get, we're seeing on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic. So, I didn't give it a bad rating because I didn't understand or I went into this to this movie with a whole different mindset. I didn't give it a bad rating because of that. I didn't give it a bad rating at all. Because at the end of it all, um, this is exactly what DC needed. The only thing that I say that that makes this a strike for for DC is because I mean, are we going to make all the movies kind of mindless? We've got Shazam coming up, and that looks like it's just a fun movie. Are are all the movies going to just be fun? Because then you're taking the nuances that you gained because there was so much wrong with Batman versus Superman, but there was a whole lot right about it, too. And there was uh, some... We know what the problem was with Justice League. It was an amalgamation of two different... Uh, styles of directing thrust together in one movie and what do you expect you know it's like uh, the movie is shot in one tone and then these retakes are shot in a whole different tone and to be quite honest uh, it, it was like a seesaw it was like watching a gang of different movies and back to Aquaman really quick that was another thing that I had I kind of take an issue with is that I felt like we were watching at least two, at least two different Aquaman movies, meaning let's say the Nicole Kidman and, and his dad, how they met at the beginning of the movie, all of that could have been part of Justice League because we just, you know, we just got kind of thrown into Arthur. We, we didn't get to know him. That could have been him. Him telling that story to Bruce Wayne could have been part of Justice League. Now it's unnecessary in this movie, but but we wouldn't have got the Nicole Kidman kick ass scene, and she she did kick ass. So I'm not gonna. Uh, we can't take that away from the movie. That that was a great part of the movie. It felt like splash at the beginning of the movie until she started fighting, and it sounded felt like something else. But uh, then we have his interaction or his meeting with uh, Black Manta and the pirates. And in that portion of the movie uh, and anything that Black Manta was in after that could have been saved for the sequel because we didn't get, now we know that we're getting a sequel, but we, we got uh, a little bit of Black Manta and I think we should have either gotten Black Manta or Orm, not both of them just me and and you don't have to agree with that in fact if you don't agree I would love to hear I would love to hear about it because I think we would have gotten uh, a shorter movie because two hours and 20 some minutes is a long time (laughs) it was a long time for uh and it was a lot of action so and you know even every time you wanted to have a tender moment you knew that some kind of action or attack or something was going to blow that moment up 
we didn't get to see the actors have tender moments because it was so much action and I felt like maybe if we take the Black Manta aspect of the story out you have time to round these characters out a little bit more and you have time to uh you get time to figure out who Arthur really is who Mara really is those were our two uh, primary characters and we know a little about them but who are they you know outside of the 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 little stuff that we did find out in this movie who are they we would have had more time if we didn't get Black Manta in this movie if we got Black Manta in the post credit scene or the fight that even occurred that created Black Manta if we got that in the post credit scene I know everybody's not I know I'm about to get it for these thoughts or the way that I am uh the way I looked at that movie I know I'm gonna get it and I'm willing to 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 hear anybody else's opinion because I want to feel differently about this movie I really do so yeah I'll go see it again and you know uh take my critical thinking skills and shove them at the door you know leave them at the door because uh I, I really do want to see this movie the same way everyone else does and if I see it a second time and I still can't find the the allure of, of why it uh man it's just like Venom I'm telling you <laughs> but it's not as bad as Venom it is not that bad and okay but Venom whole nother story because I have uh, a listener who requested me to really go in depth about Venom and I'm gonna do that for you sir just for you because you reached out to me so yeah that's neither here nor there I'm gonna talk a little bit about Bumblebee now Bumblebee like I said I enjoyed that movie I believe I gave that movie a 4 out of 5, which is an 8 out of 10, which a great movie. My problems were kind of the same as uh, one of the things that I saw uh, in Aquaman, which is some of the some of the lines felt phoned in. So like you have scenes where, uh, for instance, John Cena. His character is saying lines. His character is not acting in some of um, some of his scenes, and that jumped out to me because when he's acting, he's great, but when he's saying lines, he's bland, and and you can tell the difference. You know, you can tell the difference when somebody is just phoning in a performance. And there were a couple of scenes that I felt like he had phoned. <laughs> in his lines but anyway right now bumblebee is sitting at 94 percent on rotten tomatoes it is what certified fresh 66 on metacritic the budget was 135 million dollars domestically here it's made about 52 million and it is currently for the week in third place behind aquaman and mary poppins So Bumblebee, again, is just like uh, Aquaman. It's the lowest grossing 
opening weekend ever for a Transformers movie. However, this is a superior movie. Superior to the other uh, Transformers movies for certain. So sometimes the box office can fool you. And sometimes the box office is legitimately being uh, right. There's a movie that's bombing right now that people are saying that this is a terrible movie and the box office is showing it. Uh, Marwin, I believe the name of the movie, Marwin. So the audience are saying it's terrible. The critics are saying it's terrible. The box office is saying it's terrible. So I believe that that's a terrible movie. Do I want to see it? Of course I do. I like watching train wrecks. But okay. Um, back to Bumblebee. 94% on Rotten Tomatoes. 66 Metacritic. It is still the better movie, in my opinion, between uh, itself and Aquaman. And I still have not changed my mind about Into the Spider-Verse. So, if that helps. Uh, we learn a lot about uh, B-127, who, how he becomes Bumblebee. We learn about Charlie, uh, the young lady who, for her 18th birthday, all she wanted was a car, and she got the yellow bug, and the rest is history. Um, the action sequences were fascinating. Uh, we see Cybertron and the much-talked-about G-1 Transformers. They get a lot done in one hour and 54 minutes. We get better transforming effects than we ever saw in the Michael Bay movies. Uh, Cena, again, has presence, but some of his delivery was whack. The script was amazing, and the actors sell it for the most part. And I could actually walk into that theater and leave my brain on. Yes, I did not have to check it at the door. I was able to sit in that movie, watch it critically, and I guess it make what makes it easy is that it's a really good movie. It has a very good plot. Uh, it moves along at a pace that is not overwhelming. There's not so much going on that you know there's confusion going on on the screen. You truly understand what makes Bumblebee tick what makes Charlie tick and to me uh, exposition I enjoyed getting all sides of the of these characters and uh, yeah it was just it was a very fun good movie and even if you didn't go see it first weekend I encourage you to see Bumblebee it is definitely worth the price of a ticket Go see Bumblebee. It's a fun movie. And uh, again, I um, can't shit on uh, on uh, DC because this is the win they needed. They needed the positive word of mouth that Aquaman is giving them right now because now they could take a deep breath and move on with their extended universe and... Um, Hopefully, you know, we get different kinds of movies from that. We, we don't want it to all be uh, doom and gloom. And but and this one was definitely rooted in fun. Let's just have fun. You could tell Jason Momoa is having the time of his life 
film and this movie. And uh, it's definitely going to change his life because this is a blockbuster that beyond blockbusters is not like a, a, a Tom Hardy who has seen blockbuster movies before Jason Momoa has not seen one like to this where he is the person carrying the movie and he uh is is going gangbusters so congratulations to DC and Jason Momoa for this achievement because this this is going to be used and James Wan for for creating just a stunning visual masterpiece again I have to just keep calling it that because it was visually great action was great and if you just all you want is action and and great CGI Aquaman is it if you want action and great CGI you can also watch Bumblebee if you want action and great CGI <laughs> you can also watch Into the Spider-Verse I'm telling you Boy, I can't wait to do this year in review episode for New Year's because it is so much to talk about and so much to just be excited about because of where sci-fi, action, fantasy, however you want to classify these movies. This has been a just stupendous year for those types of movies and uh Man, I hope I'm around next year when to, to continue to uh, talk about the strides that have been made in uh, movie making and the effects, the special effects, how the actors continue to step up to the plate. Uh, the roles get bigger. The stakes get bigger. You know where I'm going. I'm going to Endgame, but I'm going to leave Endgame out of it for today. I'm going to leave Endgame out of it. I'm not going to talk about that, I don't think. Can't promise you the next episode. I won't, though. What I am going to talk about is some X-Men stuff. Because my rumor, theory, whatever piece of news for today is concerning them. And, of course, uh, we, we will definitely have the Dark Phoenix, which will be the last... X-Men movie that is not part of the MCU but anything after that will definitely be MCU and uh, we know that we lost Wolverine uh, his his last his last stand was, was in Logan and uh, that was Hugh Jackman and even though Ryan Reynolds who plays Deadpool is still trying to coax him out of retirement Hugh Jackman is saying that he's kind of done with the role. He's played it for over a decade and he would like to just move on with his uh, acting career. And we wish Hugh Jackman the best because he gave us Wolverine for all those years. And you can't possibly tell me that you don't think that he might be in the same situation as Robert Downey Jr. with Iron Man where nobody else is playing that role <laughs> nobody else is getting away with being the Wolverine except for maybe Keanu Reeves because Keanu Reeves has voiced his interest in playing uh, 
Wolverine. Now, Keanu Reeves is 53 years old, but Keanu Reeves still looks good, you know. And he's proven that he still has it when, with the John Wick uh, the John Wick films. So he is proving that he still can give you action whenever you want it. You know, he can bring it. Um, but by him being 53, how long could he play the role? One thing about uh, Marvel, especially with iconic characters such as Wolverine, they kind of want their people to grow into that over time so yeah uh we are seeing an older tony stark now but you know uh 10 years ago when he started the character he was younger and we've watched evolution from uh tony stark and now he's in his uh i believe he's in his early 50s might be around the same age as keanu reeves um he is you know nearing the end or nearing the point where it's time to hang up the the armor and uh we've talked about that how sad a day that's going to be but you know age catches up to to everybody either you're going to you're going to get older you're going to (laughs) die and uh he's just getting older you know and uh same with the chris hemsworth uh chris evans they were very young not saying that they're old now and matter of fact they are far younger than what uh, Robert Downey Jr. is. So they have a little more time where they could grow a little older in their roles if they had to, uh, depending on the direction that the MCU is taking at after Endgame. But um, would the diehards accept Keanu Reeves as Wolverine? Because, like I said, we, we've got this, these some big shoes to fill with Hugh Jackman. So, with the diehards, and as much as I love uh, superhero movies, superheroes, sci-fi, all of that, as much as I love all of that, I can't say I'm a diehard where, uh, oh, it's not going by the comic book. Damn the comic book. Everybody has uh, creative liberties, especially if... Your studio and your comic books go hand in hand. You can rewrite this crap anytime you want to. So DC has the right to change Aquaman's uh, origin. And uh, the MCU has the right to reboot characters. So, you know, if you feel that way, if you're one of those people, I call you Hydra agents. You're just looking for some shit. And I might be a Hydra agent for my my review for Aquaman today, but I might have to call myself a Cadmus. Might be a Cadmus agent. <laughs> but uh, again, I would I wouldn't mind seeing it. I wouldn't mind seeing Keanu Reeves, but uh, at least screen test for for Wolverine. I want to see what he thinks he can bring to the role. He also said he would not say no to Batman, but he really wants to play Wolverine. And to me, that tells me that he believes that he has something to offer that role. And I'd like to see what that is. I'd like to see what he thinks that he could bring to the role after Hugh Jackman put the role down. To me, that is like, uh, that's almost like I'll drop 40 on you, you know, come on, 
We could play, what, what we playing, 21? If we playing 21, I'm going to drop 18 on you real swift. So, that kind of that bravado, like, you know, uh, like talking shit to Kobe Bryant. You know what I'm saying? You just don't do it. So, uh, I want to see what, what, I want to see what he brings to, what he would bring to the role. And let me know what you think. Um, yeah, I've pretty much, I've, I've run out of things to talk about for this episode, but you guys, you guys are going to get a really, speaking of fun and mindless, when you tune into the Christmas episode, check your brain at the door. I'm telling you this ahead of time. It's fun. It is not uh, a serious episode. I'm never really, I guess I am a kind of serious person. Just me. I'm a flipping Capricorn. So there's that and um yeah I think that serious side of me might be a little bit much but I do like to have fun and the Christmas episode is just meant to be fun so if you like fun tune in for the Christmas episode uh I think we will have a little bit of it um other than that I'm gonna give you the Skype number again this is the number for uh voicemails it's 832-426- 3835. If y'all don't, y'all, this is the time to do it. Y'all can tear me up <laughs> on voicemail. I'm going to share it as, as long as you ain't calling me out my name or uh, using any type of derogatory uh, comments or anything like that. Everything is fair game. I will play it in a future episode. I, I really will. And I will try to answer you point by point and if I go see the movie again and I have to like say you know what I went to go see it again and and this and that you know changed about my my critique of the movie I will do that I will I am not uh inflexible I will move you know so hopefully hopefully I will one last thing did anybody get Ant-Man and the Wasp feels off of off of Aquaman? I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Because you know, eventually, our watch party is coming to Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I'm going to try to remember the similarities. And I'll leave it at that. I've got nothing else. You guys know where to find me. If you don't, go back to the beginning of this episode because I am not going to take five minutes at the end of this episode to repeat all the places that you can find me but you know where to find me you know how to reach me 832-426-3835 um i thank you very much for listening today i hope everybody is going to have a very splendid couple of days to the next episode and since i've got nothing else i will catch you on the flip <laughs>